This morning, uh, we are in part uh, two of, of a message series on worship called Come to Worship. Um, and, and it's taken right from the, the wise men when they came to Herod and they said, hey, where is, where is the king of the Jews? We saw his star and, and we come to worship him. And that's what we want. And so often, I think at, at Christmas time, especially this time of year, uh, what happens is we get so focused on everything else that's going on. And there's a lot going on. But we forget that, that really we exist for God, that we come to worship him. And last week, we talked about raising hands or, or lifting uh, holy hands to God. And it was, it was great from uh, one of our online viewers. Uh, Jennifer got a picture. It was her, one of her friends that, that lives away from here. Um, but it sent a picture of her son and, and her husband in, in their living room, just kind of raising their hands and daughter and son and husband. Uh, just kind of raising their hands in their own living room. That was awesome to, to see you guys as a congregation just raising your hands and worshiping what was amazing. Um, we could talk about uh, bringing your gifts because remember the, the wise men, they brought gifts um, to God of gold and frankincense and myrrh and, um, and we're gonna skip that. And today though, we're gonna talk about pouring out your heart. Uh, pouring out your heart before God is an act of worship. Because we don't want to just worship with our, uh, with our mind, but we want to worship him from the, very, from the very depths of our soul. And as I was thinking about pouring out your heart, I was thinking about some, some, some wrong ways uh, to do that. And, I, and my mind just went to sports. Like I've seen people pour out their hearts like in the wrong way with sports. I remember growing up, if, if you're about my age and even older than me, you remember this great college basketball coach from the state of Indiana named Bobby Knight. Like Bobby Knight had a way of pouring out his heart inappropriately. I mean, one time he threw a chair across the gym floor. Like it was awesome. Like, but he was passionate. He was, he was pouring out his heart. Some of the other ones, and I, and I love stuff like that. Um, until it was me like growing up and, and parents are like, yelling at the coaches and the umpires and getting ejected. Like that was, people pour out their heart. I also was thinking about um, some of my favorite movies, uh, which are the Rocky series. I don't know if you've ever seen the Rocky movies, but if you haven't, like that needs to be your Christmas list. Like you need to watch them all. But there's, there's uh, an episode, a scene in Rocky three where like Rocky's manager has died. He gets beat badly by uh, Clubber Lang, Mr. T. And he's training now with Apollo Creed and Apollo takes him out to LA and uh, in California and they're training and Rocky's just not into it. And he's running on the beach with, with Apollo and Apollo just smokes him and Apollo's mad at him. He's ready to give up. And his wife, Adrian, says, hey, what's wrong with you? And he just pours out his heart and says, I'm scared, okay? Like, I'm afraid. And he just pours out his heart, like, I can't win anymore. And I love that. And we want to pour out our heart as an act of worship to God. You know, every, every Monday I have a preacher hangover. Um, and I think back of, of, man, all of the stupid things I said the, the week before, the, the day before as I was preaching, or, you know, you kind of go over all these things in, in your mind. What can you do better? Like, what did you blow? Or, and one of the things that I've never had to do, really, on a Monday morning is I've never had to be like, God, I'm sorry because I didn't give it everything I had. Like, I want to pour out my heart every week from up here. 
I want to give it all I have. I love our worship team. I love my staff because I know that every week they're going to pour out their heart and give you guys everything that, that they have. And we do that in a, in a real physical sense. All of us do. Many of you do for, for your jobs, for your kids. But when are we going to do it for God? When are we really going to pour out our heart before God as an act of worship? And some of you, like right now, like your life is going very well and you have many reasons to pour out your heart in praise to God. It's like your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. Some of you, your life may be rather, rather bland right now. You just kind of feel like you're existing. Like, and listen, you have the opportunity to pour out your heart because God is faithful. He is, he is always with you. And there are some of you right now that you're going through a, a very difficult season. Like, uh, above everybody else, and I believe that this message today is going to, to speak directly to you. Some of you right now, you feel very, very uh, alone as you move into the Christmas season. There may be someone that was here last year that, that they're not here this year. And you ache in pain. Like, you, you hurt. Some of you right now, you're afraid. You've gotten a, a bad medical report. Others of you, it's, it's Christmas try, time and you're trying to buy gifts and financially you realize you don't have the resources. Some of you, you're dealing with a very difficult relationship right now. If you're in the middle of a hard time, I'm going to encourage you and I wanna give you the opportunity today to pour out your heart to cry out to God because God cares for the brokenhearted. He's near to, to those who need him. And we're gonna look today in God's word and, and learn as an act of worship how to pour out our hearts to God. In fact, I wanna start today with a couple of different portions of scripture from the book of Psalms that were written by David. And last week, we looked at a couple of, of Psalms written by David, and I said that he was at a very low point in his life. Today, it's the same. It's amazing as you read the Psalms how often David was at a low point in his life. And we're gonna start in Psalm 142, verses two and verse five. It says this. He said, I pour out, my, I pour out before him my complaint. Notice he's not saying, oh God, you're, you're wonderful right here. He's not saying, oh God, I'm in, I'm in such a great place right now. He's saying, God, I'm, I'm pouring out my complaint before God. He said, I tell God my trouble. And he says this, he says, I cry to you, O Lord. I say you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. He uses this phrase another time, this is of refuge. In Psalm 62, 8, he says this, trust in the Lord at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him. Why? For God is our refuge. And he cries out to God. He realizes and he comes up with this thing that God is my, my refuge. In fact, in one of my favorite parts of the, the Old Testament, one of my favorite, uh, and it's not really a part, it was just kind of a rule in the Old Testament. Uh, of all the Levitical cities, there were six of them that, that when David said this, he would have had these six cities in mind as a place of refuge. And the law was that, that if something happened and say, say you killed somebody, whether it was an accident or on purpose 
or, or what happened. Like you could run toward one of these six cities and if you got there, you were safe until there was a trial to be had. But if you didn't make it to one of those cities, like if Seth, if Seth killed my brother, like, I mean, I could track him down and I could kill him legally until he made it to one of them cities. I don't think it'd be a fair fight, but um, um, I'd probably be running to the safe place. Like, I don't know. But, but it was a city of refuge. And that's what, what David was saying. Like, when I'm in trouble, when, when I'm hurting, when I don't have anywhere else to go, God, I know that I can come to you and be safe. Like, I don't know about you, but, but a lot of kids, they have a, a safe place. Like, how many of you were a kid, like, you had a, you had a safe place? Like, some place that you felt uh, really safe. Maybe it was a closet. Like, that was your, your safe place. Um, for some of you, it wasn't, it wasn't the closet because that's where the monsters lived, right? Maybe for, for some of you, it wasn't a place. Maybe it was a thing. Maybe it was a, a blankie. You had a, a blankie that, that was your, your safe thing or, or a clubhouse. For me, it's kind of embarrassing, but I, I'm used to that. For me, it was a little stuffed animal. I carried this thing around with me until I was like 12, I still got it. I thought about bringing it this morning, but my wife would have yelled at me because it's ugly. But, but it was. like I, I would set that thing up and I would preach to it when I was seven. It was great. But what, what's interesting is you grow older, safety isn't usually found in a place or a thing. Safety's in a person, right? Your safe place is with a person. And I, I noticed this with my kids uh, growing up. Like, just even get them to walk over to the church right here. Like, it's 20 steps after dark. Like, it wasn't going to happen. Or to take out the trash to the dumpster that's in the back. It wasn't going to happen after dark unless I was with them. Why? Because they, they felt safe. It wasn't because I did anything with the darkness. It was because, or, or man, if there was a storm come up in the middle of the night and the thunder would wake them up, they came and ran and they jumped into to our bed. Why? Not because our bed was any safer, but because Jennifer and I were in there. And they felt safe. Just like when you're a kid. If your parents were in your room, the monsters cannot get you, right? If they close the closet door, the monsters just supernaturally, they're sealed into the closet and they can't come out. If there's monsters under the bed, listen, they can't get you. If you keep all of your limbs on the bed and you're under the blankets, but if your parents aren't in there and you leave a limb hanging over the edge, that monster can grab you and pull you right under. This is why we have kids' church, because I say things like that. <laughs> and I'm not even sure why I'm talking about this, but it probably has something to do with God being our refuge. Like God is, is our, our safe place that we can, we can call out to him, pour our hearts out to him because he's safe. Jennifer and I, our kids are, are grown right now, and for us, it's so meaningful uh, whenever they, they need something. Like, they're having a hard time, they're in trouble, and they, they actually call us. Like, this morning, even Aiden sent me a text. He said, hey, can you get my oil changed this week? Like, he needed me. And I'm like, I don't know if I can, but I'll make Seth do it. Like, I, I don't know. But, but we love to be needed. I, like, we do. We, we love to be needed. And I would just submit to you today that our heavenly father, he loves to be needed by his children. 
He loves to know that, that there is nothing that anyone else in the world can do but him for you. He loves when you pour out to your heart to him. He knows everything already. He can handle for you to cry out to help for him. And what I want to do today is I'm going to give you a chance to pour out your heart before God, to cry out to him as an act of, of worship. And I really just want to give you a couple of things to think about at, at the end of our service, really when we move into to an opportunity of worship again, like we did last week. And the first one, if you're taking notes, is this. As you pour out to, to your heart to God, remember God's faithfulness in the past. Remember God's faithfulness in the past. As you cry out to him, reflect back to, to God's goodness in your life, to God's faithfulness in your life. In fact, I want to look at Psalm 42 um, with you for a moment. We're not actually sure who wrote Psalm 42. We think that it was probably uh, David. Uh, most scholars believe that it was David when, when Absalom, his son, was rebelling against him. And a lot of people um, actually were, were saying, hey, David, like we believe that God has turned against you. Uh, like God has rejected you. So David, again, is at a very low point in his life. In verse three, here's what it says. It says, my tears have been my food day and night. Have any of you ever felt like that? You cry yourself to sleep at night, you're hurting. You fall asleep uh, alone. He says, my tears have been my food. He says, why people say to me all day long, where is your God? And sometimes you may feel like that. You're serving God. Why is all this happening in your life? Then verse four is a key part of the verse. Here's what David says, or, or the writer of Psalm 42 says. He says, these things I remember. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. These things that I remember as I cry out to you, God. These things I remember as I, as I ache within. These things I remember, he says, as I pour out my soul. He says, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive thrones. And then you can almost see the gear shift in Psalm 42. And it's almost like he starts preaching to himself. He says, because these things I remember, he says, why, why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Then he tells himself, he says, put your hope in God, for yet I will praise him, my Savior and my God. I don't know about you, but, but every now and then, I'm crying out to God. Like, I've got to recall the faithfulness of God. The things I remember as I poured out my soul. Sometimes I, I preach to myself. Like my kids will, will verify this. We'll be driving down the road in the car and my hands will just start moving and my mouth will start moving. No words are coming out. But I'm just preaching to myself because I need it. And like, I want to give you a chance today to, just to, to kind of cry out to God that way. That's what David says. Like, he's like, I'm preaching to myself. Why are you so downcast, oh, my soul? Put your, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God because he's our refuge. He, he's our safe place. Like, that's where your hope goes. And remember the faithfulness of God through the generations. Like, the, remember the faithfulness of God in your past. Like, he's always been there. In fact, there's another Old Testament uh, prophet named Jeremiah. 
And, and Jeremiah wrote, wrote the book of Lamentations. And, and in Lamentations 3, like you want to see a guy that had a bad month. Read about Jeremiah. Or read what he went through. He says this about himself. He says, I'm a man of so much affliction. And for literally 20 verses in Jeremiah chapter 3, he just lays out the pain and the anguish and the complaints. He says, I like, listen, and you have permission to do that before God. For some of you, it may be, God, I don't understand why you're not doing what I know you can do. Like, God, I've asked you to step in and, and, and heal my marriage. Like, I don't understand because I don't even know if my marriage is going to make it. You cry out to God, financially, I'm a wreck. God, if something doesn't happen soon, I don't know where I'm going to end up. You may cry out to God on behalf of your children, be like, God, like, please show mercy on this kid. I don't know why he continues to do what he does or what, what she, why she continues to do what she does. And you just cry out to God, just honestly saying, God, I need your help. And that's exactly what Jeremiah does. And some people think that's disrespectful to do. Like some of you, you grew up in church environment where you said, hey, that's unacceptable. Like you don't, you don't pour out your heart to God. You don't complain to God. You don't, you don't question God and ask what God's going on. But listen, God is big enough to hear our complaints and to hear our cries, and he knows your heart anyway. If you're feeling it, if you're thinking it, you might as well go ahead and say it and pour it out to God. That's what Jeremiah does. And he gets to verse 19, and he says this. He says, I remember my affliction and my wandering." the bitterness and the gall. He says, I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. He says, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. In the middle of his, his desperate cry from his soul, he, now he's talking to God. He went from talking at God or talking about God to talking to God. And he says, great is your faithfulness. He said, I call this to mind. He says this, um, because of your great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. He says, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Like every now and then I just get lost in the presence of God. Like and when you cry out to him, you say, yeah, like I call this to mind. I recall his faithfulness and because of that I have hope. Some of you, you need to think back to, it, to what he's brought you through. Like you need to remember his faithfulness. Think back. Think back to when, when you called on him and he forgave the weight of all your sin and guilt and shame. And remember what that felt like when that was lifted. Remember when God answered a prayer one time and there was no way it could have been anything but God. Like it was so miraculous and you look back and say, oh my God, I give you praise because of your faithfulness in the past. Remember maybe when God healed a relationship when you thought there was no way it could ever be restored and miraculously God changed your heart and changed someone else's heart. Yet I call this to mind your faithfulness. 
Like, I still have hope. Remember the time when you were hurting and you felt all alone and you read a Bible verse and maybe you read it 20 times before that, but that day it spoke to you. It was written just for you. Remember that time you came into the church and, and the message, like it was like it was, it was written for you and only you. Like it didn't even matter that anybody else was in the room. Like I was speaking directly to you. And God was ministering to your soul through that. Yeah, I call this to mind, therefore I have hope. You know, whenever I'm pouring out my heart to God and I'm hurting and I, and I don't understand, like I remember the faithfulness. Like I remember I was baptized when, when I was 11 years old. And, and I remember that. But, but more so than that, I remember being at a, a Christ in Youth conference when I was about 15. And the weight of it really hit me. That God sent his son to die for me. Like that I am, I am a, a new creation. And sometimes that happens with us. And when we get baptized, we, we know what we're doing. But, but it's a continual process of learning what that really means and, and how God wants to use us. And I remember going back to school that next fall. And, and I'd committed my life to, to, to serving Jesus full-time in ministry at that conference. And I remember going back to school telling people that I was going to be in ministry. And I remember being called things like Bible thumper and, and Jesus freak. And I, I remember praying uh, for, for some of my friends and some of the, the, the other students that, that were in school. And the more I'd pray for them, the more that they would ridicule me. And I remember praying even to God that, hey, God, that I'm going to be able to afford to go to Bible college and my church stepping up and paying for my whole first year. I remember praying for a godly woman that would allow me to do ministry and encourage me in that way. And God sent me Jennifer. Well, you have no idea what was going through my mind. But I didn't want to be too sweet because then she would start crying and that would be bad. But, but he did. And then, then we wanted to, to, to reproduce. And we tried for like a year and nothing happened. So we, like, and we kept trying and trying was fun. Again, I was thinking like, is something wrong? Like, like are the pipes broke or like, or what? Like, I, like, why isn't there a baby? Like we prayed and we prayed and, and like we even talked about adopting and then God not only gave us one, but he gave us three uh, amazing kids. Like, I remember he, him hearing those prayers. I remember times in ministry early on, like where we were, we were so broke that we weren't sure like how we were gonna be able to have, even able to eat. And I would pray about it and somebody would give us just enough money to buy Kraft macaroni and cheese instead of the generic stuff. Like, it, like it was amazing. I remember him hearing those prayers I remember when I started <clears throat> ministry um, in, here, and there was talk about a, a new building um, back here. But financially, like, we were not in a place to do that. Like, there was a house on the property. There was a, an alley between us. There's no way that we could build there and keep the, keep the buildings connected. And I remember fasting and praying every Monday for years for God to open up doors so that we could see that dream that, that was there even long before I came. 
And I remember seeing doors start to open up. I remember seeing the congregation beginning to grow and, and offerings being increased. I remember um, going and, and, and talking to city council people about closing this alley off or rerouting it so that we could build and, and connect to the building. I remember standing up here and telling the congregation that, hey, we're gonna take out a loan to build this building. And the next day, fear set in. Like, it did, because like, I had faith in the moment. But then afterwards, I thought, man, I'm going to, like, I'm going to go out and back and get stoned. Like, we're taking that alone, like, and not recreationally, like, physically. Um, I have to say that, because it's KCC. <laughs> but, but, but we did, we, we took out this loan, and we started building this building in 2015 back there. Our first service out there was in 2017, and then just about a year ago, we paid it off completely. Like, yeah, like... <clears throat> I call to mind that, that God has been faithful. Therefore, I have hope. I cry out to God, like, tell him why you hurt. Pour out your complaint. Tell him you don't understand. Tell him it doesn't make any sense. But as you do, look back at the faithfulness of God. Like, I can't tell you how many times that the very thing I hated in that season, as I look back, I begin to see God's purpose and plan in all of it. So cry out to him. The second thing is this, is that we're gonna trust in God's power for your future. We're gonna remember his faithfulness in the past and we're just gonna trust God's power in the future. Some of you are at this point in your life in the moment where, like where the psalmist is going through and he's pouring out his heart and just listen to this. He says, hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry for you, for help, come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I'm in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly. In my distress, he says, I groan aloud and, and I'm reduced to skin and bones. Verse seven, some of you can relate to this. He says, I lie awake. I can't sleep. Uh, and my mind is so heavy at night. I become like a bird alone on a roof. All day long. My enemies taunt me. And then there are three words that, that change everything. Three words, my life's falling apart. I don't understand what's going on. I cry out to God from the depths of my soul. My enemies taunt me. But then he says this, but you, Lord. But, but you, God. Like, I don't understand. But you, God, are faithful. I don't know what to do. Like, but verse 12 says, but you, Lord, you're, you're, you sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. It says he will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. Like some of you, what you need to have is a but God moment. But you, God, like you're gonna cry out. You're gonna pour your heart out to God. You're going to, you're going to complain. You're gonna be honest. You're going to, you're gonna just let everything rip from the depths of your soul. Like I don't understand from the pit of your cry, you're gonna cry out to God, but listen, you're gonna keep crying out to him. And at some point, you'll push through the pain to a place of praise. I wanna say that again. At some point, you'll push through the pain to a place of praise. God, I don't understand. God, I don't like it. But I'm going to trust you. Because you've been faithful in the past, I'm gonna trust you in the future. 
Some of you, it's financially, you're a wreck right now, but you're gonna push through the pain to the place of praise. You're gonna push through the pain to a place where you can say, but God, you are my provider. Some of you, you got a medical issue right now, and you don't know what the future looks like, but you're gonna say, but God, you, God, are my healer. Because the name of Jesus is above every name. At some point, like you're gonna plead, you're gonna cry out your heart. At some point, because you know that you can't stop praising. And listen, it'll come when you least expect it. In, in the middle of a crisis, suddenly you'll realize that I'm talking to the one who really does care about me. I'm talking to the one that really is close to the brokenhearted. And suddenly your plea for, plea for help turns into praise because he's good and he's worthy of praise. And at some point, what you might need to do is just thank God in advance. Like you don't even, you don't even know what's gonna happen, but you know that he's always been good and you know that he's full of power. You're gonna say, God, I know that you're gonna prove yourself faithful, so God, I'm just gonna thank you in advance. I'm gonna thankful because I know what you're gonna do. But you, like, oh, Lord, no matter what I'm going through. But you, God, you're always faithful. Remember it. Cry out to him. Take the time and do it. And listen, remember when you do that he's always been faithful in the past. Things may not have always been great, but you look back, it was what you needed in that season. You look back and you realize that God really does work all things together for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. You know, it's, it's amazing. We looked at some Old Testament people today who had hope in, in a future reality that Jesus would come into the world. And that's what we celebrate this time of year at, at Christmas. What these prophets, what Jeremiah, what, what, what David was so longing for, to have this relationship with God. And they were just thanking him in advance. Because now we can have a relationship with the creator of the universe, one that's always been faithful, even when we've been faithless. I'm gonna ask you to stand today. And I wanna give you a moment to just worship, to, to just cry out. If your life is good right now, cry out in praise. If your life is kind of blah right now, cry out in, because our God is worthy. If if you want to enter into a relationship today in baptism, like I want to invite you into that. If you're hurting today, if you feel alone today, cry out from the depths of your soul. Listen, because God can handle it and he cares. And at some point in the middle of that praise, even this morning, as you're praising, maybe your arms are up, maybe they're not, but as you're praising because God is faithful in the past and he's present right now, Therefore, we can thank him and we can trust in the power that he has in our future. He'll always be faithful to you. Pour out your heart because he cares.